Welcome to the first podcast of 2023. I'm KJ Pilcher alongside Dick Briggs with our first pinning combination of the new year. Coach, did you have a good holidays? We did. We had uh, both the kids are back. Uh, uh, Lauren from UNI and then Kyle from, from uh, North Carolina. So that was fun and uh, got a lot done. Now I get, I will say though this though poor Lauren had to, her tonsils out so she's been she was ailing a bit. So. Oh, that, that kind of stinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but good uh, good times had even though a uh, little bit of a lull in competition and and stuff. But there there was some things uh, that kind of went on, um, you know, on the college front. Not so much on the prep side, but. We can take a look ahead and uh, when that comes around, but uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into the uh, you know the holiday tournaments. Uh, this was the first year of the Soldier Salute uh, in Coralville at Extreme Arena. Um, you know, I think before uh, before the tournament started, um, you know, Tom Brands was kind of asked about you know why the soldier salute and you know, what, what became, how did this kind of come about? And, you know, he was pretty honest about, uh, you know, the way the Midlands had kind of canceled the last two years. He didn't want to get caught without uh, competition, something maybe that was a little bit more reliable in this day and age. The soldier salute, uh, you know, they tried to get it off the ground last year when the Midlands canceled. Um, too short of a turnaround they tried to do it in like a matter of weeks and just you know you know how to organize a tournament so that's just really hard to do and uh this year even though it was you know kind of iowa and others i guess you would say um still seemed like a pretty decent uh uh competition at least the way it was run um seemed like there's some potential for it to grow and and kind of stick Right, and uh, I guess we can look at it this way. There's there's really three major tournaments during the, the holidays. And uh, now, I guess if you can call this in a major tournament, it's, I mean, it's not quite there yet, but I think maybe you can <laughs> as to how it'll be next year. But, but uh, you know, you have the Southern Scuffle, and then you have the uh, the Midlands that we talked about. And and both of those still have, I would say, are, were a tougher tournament than, than the uh, Soldier Salute. But, you know, it's first year and you got some guys, some teams that are locked into contracts. So we'll see how that uh, pans out next year. But maybe you have some information on that. Uh, I know uh, talking to some of the tournament organizers, um, there are about a handful of teams that have already said uh, they're in for next year. It's a soldier salute. Um, You know, situations where, you know, this year they just couldn't make it work with their their commitments already on where they're going. So, um, you know, they're looking. To, they've got teams lined up, ready to to join in for year two. So, you know, I think it's. Uh, uh, I think it helps having Iowa buy into it. Um, you know, they Iowa had twenty nine wrestlers that competed overall in attached and unattached wrestlers. Um, and I think that's gonna, um, 
I think that helps when trying to market this to other teams and programs that, hey, you know, they're going to be there. They're going to be fully stocked. We're going to have some good competitors uh, in there, and it'll be interesting to see how that grows. But, you know, already sounds like they've got a group of uh, teams uh, uh, willing and waiting to join the field. Right. And, you know, and Iowa had pretty much fielded their entire team, I guess. Uh, well, for the, I guess there were a couple that might have been out. Um, Some illness and injury uh, kept uh, Seabrecht at 57 and uh, mm -hmm. Nelson Brands out at uh, 74. Right. So, I mean, other than that, they had their, their <laughs> vision of not only their varsity, but everyone else uh, that was probably ready, willing, and able. And, uh, and uh, you know, then, the, then, you know, look at the other side of uh, the other two schools. Um, you and I sense a, a good number of wrestlers there, but not really many of their varsity. And uh, and then Iowa State down to the Southern Scuffle sent some wrestlers, but um, we will talk about that in a little bit. But but anyway, so uh, you know, so it's good showing for Iowa. Obviously, they just they killed it in the finals <laughs> in the tournament. Mm -hmm. Had uh, what three Iowa versus Iowa matchups in the finals? I think something like that. Yeah. Yep. Crowned uh, eight out of ten uh, champs throughout the. Uh, um, throughout the tournament and everything. I think they racked up like 228 points. Army uh, was second uh, on the on the men's side um, with, uh, I believe, 106 points. So uh, won quite comfortably, which, you know, you kind of expected, um, obviously. But, um, you know, I thought there was some really good individual performance excuse me, uh, individual performances through that, uh, uh, through that two day event, obviously Spencer Lee wrestled again. Um, you know, he, uh, he looked fairly strong, uh, as well. Um, say so open with a pen, pin and attack on the first day. Uh, then he beat, uh, uh, your Volk, um, of Wyoming, uh, with, a lot of people don't realize is that uh, uh, Volk is like a, a U20 world champ. Um, so a real, real strong uh, semifinal opponent there that he beat 15 to five. Um, was a point away from uh, or a move away from ending it at the end of the second period um, with a tech. I think he was up 14-1, 15-1 maybe um, at that point. but. Uh, and then, you know, I'm sure you saw a lot of the uh, uh, kind of the, uh, oh, ado, I guess, to say for the lack of, better, uh, lack of a better word, the ado about uh, him and Spencer Lee and, and Drake Ayala in the finals. Uh, Lee built a four or six zero lead. Um, in the first period and then got fallen 124. Um, a lot of people weren't sure that match would happen. Uh, it did. So people are kind of reading into the, uh, the post-match uh, uh, behaviors, I guess you would say, that didn't sit well with Hawkeye folks. Uh, 
Lee wasn't happy about wrestling or what have you. I don't know for sure. He was calm and collected and very uh, complimentary at Drake Ayala, you know, after the match and the post, uh, post-finals interview. But, you know, when the cameras are on, sometimes that dictates what you say and how you say it. And, um, but <laughs> Spencer Lee looked really good. Right. And sometimes you forget, you forget about the camera and your your frustrations and whatever take over. I, I don't know what the what the issue was. I mean, I can guess and I can, you know, other people are talking about it and that sort of thing. But we got to see a different side of Spencer Lee. And, I, and I'm going to say this. Spencer Lee has been nothing but class for the five, six years that he's been at Iowa. And he has, in my opinion, lifted the program and put, you know, put it at a level even higher than it already was. I just. I mean, he's got an opportunity to be the first four-timer, and, and you've got people that saw that, and now all of a sudden they're anti-league people. They're just bashing him. I'm like, are you – the fan base in Iowa just frustrates me at times. I mean, throughout the football season, now the basketball season, now the wrestling season, it's like you're never satisfied, you're never happy. The guy's are probably the best that's ever been at Iowa. He got – you know, I got upset. I don't know what he's upset about, but the guy's – he's afforded that. He's a competitor. He wanted to get out of there. You know, maybe he – Maybe he's been watching for the last five years when, when uh, different teams and maybe Iowa gets into the finals with the, with the two, two people that they do a double forfeit. I mean, we see that all the time. And so maybe it made sense with, to do that with a bad knee or two bad knees or, you know, so, uh, you know. Yeah, I when, you think, when you think both of them are coming off injuries, even, you know, Ayala's coming off injury as well. I didn't think the match would be wrestled, to be honest with you. Right. And then talking to people along Matt's side, like, hey, are they going to wrestle in the finals? And they're like, don't know why not. It's like, oh, okay. And then sure enough, they they took the mat and, you know, right. it, but. And, and there's, uh, and there's, you know, talk, you know, talk about uh, on, on social media about uh, should there be <clears throat> people that forfeit matches, which Iowa has done it, you know, last year and the, and the years past and, and other schools have done. Remember at the Big Ten, they did have done it quite often, where they forfeit mm-hmm. matches, get to the point where they qualify forfeit matches, and and uh, you know in some cases I think it makes sense, um, you know, and then other cases I think sometimes I'm not saying Iowa does this, but maybe some other schools, and maybe so, uh, or would do it maybe to protect a seed or something of that sort, and, and so there's discussion on that as well. So anyway, it's uh, it makes it makes for fun discussion online, I guess. <laughs> you know, and, and my take with it, obviously the protecting seed thing is kind of chicken crap, right? Yeah. You know that, and I'm sure I'm sure it's done by some people. You know, you'd be really naive to think all medical forfeits were strictly based on injury and stuff. You know, somebody somebody at some time has done that, right? But for the most part, I think they're probably legit. And I always look back, one of the most gut-wrenching finals that championship, uh, national tournaments, when it, what I mean by finals, not final championship matches, just the national tournaments. The most gut-wrenching national tournament I ever remember was Matt McDonough's senior year. Yeah, when he didn't place, 
and a lot of it had to do with the shoulder injury. Uh, you could tell he just didn't have the same strength. He just wasn't the same wrestler, and it was because he was wrestling one-armed for the most part. Mm-hmm. Even though he's the last one to, you know, he was the last one to, to concede or say, you know, that was what happened, but kept him from being a four-time All-American. And, you know, that was that was tough. And you got to give him credit because he wrestled that entire season. You know, he when they said, hey, you're not going to hurt it any worse, you either got to decide to gut it out or, you know, have it taken care of, and he gutted it out. I think Iowa changed its philosophy, not changed its philosophy, but they had a different approach with Corey Clark. Corey Clark was beat up and banged up. They pulled the reins back on him the second, especially the second half of the season. Um, you know, he he did not wrestle a full slate. He kind of had matches intermittent through, you know, the schedule until the postseason. And what happens? He ends up winning the national title. And I think they've kind of realized you know, hey, if we if we miss a match in December or mid January, January, um, to make sure they're stronger and better in the postseason, I think they realize that's a sacrifice we're willing to make. You know, sure the fans aren't going to like it; they understand. I don't think anybody gets fans as well as Tom Brands does. Uh, you know, I've been in his office when he's talked about the history of wrestling and how coaches, you know, I remember Tom Brands talking to me about uh, Gary, Gary Kurtelmeyer, somebody that, you know, um, obviously. Kurtelmeyer really created the Iowa fan base that we know right now. And part of it was the story that Brand shared was, you know, he went to McDonald's, said, hey, what would you think about us having a deal that fan, if we get a pin um, in our dual meet, fans can take tickets and cash it in for a free burger? Yeah, I mean, he yeah. was an innovator for sure. He had lots of neat ideas. And- yep. And that drew people to the, you know, that drew people to meets. That brought, you know, all of a sudden their crowd, hey, we could get a free, you know, we could get a free hamburger. Um, let's go to the meet, check it out. But then Colonel Meyer also knew, okay, we got fans here. We need to, we need to perform. You know, they're going to quit coming if they're not cashing in the free cheeseburgers or whatever. So we need to get guys on the mat that can make, you know, that can get yeah. pins That's and right. to produce like that. And then it just kind of builds on itself, right? So yeah. I think Tom understands, okay you know, fans aren't going to be happy. You know, they're they're buying season tickets to see Spencer Lee and to see, you know, Jacob Warner. Jacob Warner hasn't missed anything. I'm just using it as a just an, as an example, you know. Um, they're not going to be happy if they don't see him, but he's probably bail- trying to balance it out as, okay, what's good for our team? What's good for Spencer Lee, 
or Max Buren or Kate Seabrick or Kobe Seabrick or whomever, and what's good for the fans as well. Um, but it is a fine line when, you know, you have that and those guys aren't wrestling because they are medically forfeiting. Right. And don't forget, he's also <clears throat> consider the other guy on the, on the other side of the mat, I guess, Drake Ayala, who's at his wrestler. <laughs> and so, you know, he's the coach of both of those athletes. So, you know, you kind of have to balance it. Let's face it. Lee's the, Lee's the face and he's the, 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 the he can be the first this year, uh, first four timer for Iowa. And, and uh, um, you know, so that's the guy, but you also have to consider, you know, both sides of that. So and he, I don't know where he was at on that and whether he was pushing it, was allowing it, was, you know, I know who knows, but, but uh, you know, those, all of those things have to be considered as a coach and, and have to be discussed. Is athletes uh, right to walk out there or not? I mean, right. And, uh, so the coach certainly has influence, but their final say for sure. So, uh, Some other performance. Well, let's talk about the other two head to head matchups because, that wasn't the only Iowa versus Iowa final. Uh, at 149, you had Max Buren um, beating Caleb Rachi, uh seven to four. I think Rachi looked really good this weekend, down from 157. Um, beat uh, Anthony Ekamendia, um, who used to wrestle at Ohio State. Um, that was a that was a good win for Rachi. Looked really good at a lower weight. Yeah, I mean that's that's it. And with Mirren, I don't know if he's gonna if that'll you know if there's an injury involved there, if there's old age that's involved there, <laughs> along with a couple other guys that do that. And then uh, uh, or you know uh, if, you know hopefully that'll push him. It'll make both of those guys better. And and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that's that's mm -hmm. a, that's fun, encouraging. Nope. <laughs> Excuse me. And in 197, while well, you had Jacob Warner. Um, with a 10-2 major decision over Colby Franklin. thing that stands out, Colby Franklin beat Zach Glazier. Um, you know, Glazier's been the one that's kind of stepped in and kind of given Warner a little bit of a break from time to time. Here, Franklin, uh, a freshman, um, beats him and makes it to the final against Warner. Right, so look good as well. Right, so basically, what we're saying is Iowa had one, two, three there. Volker was four for you and I, mm -hmm. and uh, um, so I, I did not check. I just thought uh -oh. right now. Did Franklin Russell unattached? Yes. Yeah. So, so that's the that's the reason right there. They have it. They've been pleasuring. So you know, um, when needed or whatever. So uh, um, yeah, that makes sense. So one, two, three. Yeah, that's wow. Good, good job. Yep. Um. Colin Schreiber, um, you know, 133 is probably the really only question mark now in the lineup. He came away with a win there. Brody Teske did not wrestle um, last week, but Colin Schreiber um, still making his case, I guess, uh, to be considered at 133. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. I guess my gut feeling is probably Teske if he's healthy and down to weight and all those things that need to happen. And I don't know what the issue is, but and if it's not, then it's Schreiber. So, I mean, it, I don't think there's a great separation between those two, but, but uh, you know, I think Teske, did, I, did they wrestle early on this year? Um, or was it a, a Russell-off maybe or something? No, Russell-off, but I think might have went into overtime. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought Teske. It was really close. Yeah, very close. So, 
who knows? Um, Tony Cassiope pinned his way through the uh, bracket at heavyweight. Not, um, you know, obviously no real surprise there. Um, he's got nine pins and his 11 wins so far this season. Um, Patrick Kennedy also, Abasad won at uh, 184. Um, uh, Patrick Kennedy with a win at 165. He beat Jack Thompson, uh, wrestling unattached from South Dakota State. Jack Thompson, uh, former uh, Union Community wrestler um, up at South Dakota State. He was unattached. He's unattached this year in a red shirt the entire season. But, uh, you know, Jack Thompson uh, looked good getting to the finals. Yeah, I saw a picture uh, of Jack, and then uh, the background had uh, Logan, his brother, uh, back there coaching him. And I and I there are reports that also Max was coaching him as well. So that'd be kind of neat to have the brother acting the, on the mat. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah. this makes it fun. It's a kind of a special little note on that one. Yeah, you know, and that was that was kind of cool. It's, it's interesting because. You know, uh, I think uh, Jack won his state title at 138 uh, as a junior. And to see him uh, bulked up to a full-size 165-pounder. And I even talked to him that uh, that day after his semifinal win um, over a kid from Army. And he kind of laughed because I'm like, you're a lot bigger than I, I saw you last. He goes, yeah. He goes, I kind of remember. I was pegged to be a 41 pounder or 49 pounder um, in college or projected to be that. And those days are <laughs> uh, long gone. And like I said, he's a full size, looked like a, a strong 65 pounder. Yeah, so, that happens. You know, you have some kids that, that continue to grow. Uh, you know, in our household, I think Kyle was projected at 57, 65, and he never wrestled either <laughs> one of them. So, right. Um, in fact, more of them as it ended up about 50 50 at 74 and 84. And uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, you have that kids that are still growing or that get into the weight room and, and uh, put that growth on themselves, you know. So, and that, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I, you know, back in our era, it was cut as much weight as you can to try and gain an advantage you know, by wrestling a smaller body. Well, if everyone's mm -hmm. doing that, you're not wrestling a smaller body. Right? So, right. but, you know, so now if I had to do it over again, I'd, I'd get in the weight room and, and uh, do it that way and, and just wrestle Makes up and make it more fun. For sure. Um, you know, you and I, uh, on the men's side, they sent, uh, I want to say double digits down there. You kind of mentioned uh, Wyatt Volker. Um, he ended up finishing fourth, made it to the semis, lost a close one to Jacob Warner in the, in the semis, I think it was 3-1, 4-1, something like that. Uh, then lost pretty handily to uh, Glazier of Iowa in the, in the third, fourth place match. But Wyatt Volker still, I tell you what, I, I'm impressed with what he's done. It'll be interesting. I still think they'll probably redshirt him the entire season. Um but, you know, I just wonder if there's any temptation there for, uh, for Schwab to 
maybe ask if Wyatt wants to give it a go and plug him in at 197 for the second half of the season. So have you, do you, have you seen any uh, pre-meet uh, uh, lineups for you and I in Wyoming? I have or not seen that yet. Tomorrow? Okay. Uh, and the reason I asked that is because yesterday I was talking with uh, Carter Happel and, uh, and I saw mm-hmm. that it, he, I, he, he, they were going up to watch the, the, the duel against Wyoming on uh, tomorrow. And, uh, and it got me wondering about Volker being in there. So I, I, I hope they don't bring Volker, take Volker's shirt off. He's had a great season. And I know that's very tempting, but uh, you know, I know and, and, and it's 97 is a spot where they, you know, he could benefit, they, they could benefit by having there, but I just think the four years after this, maybe they, you know, maybe they're wrestling the four times, uh, you know, and, and keep the shirt. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we might see that. Uh, I just, it makes it an easier decision if you can get four matches out of him uh, and not lose the, sh- the, you know, the red shirt. So sure. I think that's, that's neat. Um, you know, and, uh, you and I had some other place winners, um, you know, as well. RJ Weston um, looked pretty decent. He was fifth at uh, 157. Evan Yant, uh, Garrett Funk were, were both eighth um, as well. Uh, Aaron, Adam Aronson at 197, uh, same weight as Volker. Um he also got eighth. So, uh, like we mentioned, you and I didn't send starters, but um, they had some good uh, performers for the people that they sent there. Right. And their last, they had one other eighth place finish in uh, at 141, Connor Thorpe. So, oh. non, all non starters. So, um, you know, with, with Wyoming coming in tomorrow, they're prepared for that and, and elected to not wrestle in that big tournament. So, or that this tournament. Sure. Um, a couple things that, that I thought was was kind of neat. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people talk about uh, coaching trees, right? A lot of people mention uh, Gable's coaching tree. Um, obviously, that was really significant because, you know, at one time you had like all but two programs in the Big Ten being coached by former Iowa wrestlers you know or, or people that had been on Gable's staff um Tom Brands has uh a lot of wrestlers that are out on other you know on other staffs as well but you're starting to see Doug Schwab's coaching tree start uh to expand a little bit you saw that a little bit at the soldier salute a uh, couple he assistants, uh, Blaze Cabell at Navy was there, had a finalist in heavyweight, uh, Ryan Katka. Um, he got second to Tony Cassiope. Um, you know, Blaze uh, competed, kind of helped out at Fresno State a little bit. Um, then I think he went to Campbell and now uh, followed, uh, um, Carry Colat to, to the Navy Naval Academy. Uh, and then you got Cody Caldwell at South Dakota State. You know, South Dakota State's made some big gains under Damian Hahn. Um, 
You know, and Cody, uh, I think Cody's been a real key factor, especially with that pipeline of Iowa uh, preps um, that are on the SDSU roster now. So I think we're starting to see, you know, Schwab's coaching tree kind of uh, uh, take root. And that's, that's really good. You would expect that since, you know, you and I with the education school, strong education school and, and uh, you'll see him, you know, down at the, at the high school level as well. I'm sure I'll start to see more and more of that as well, but yeah, that's really cool to see on the college level for sure. You know, then the soldier salute had the, uh, the women's competition um, as well. And of course, you know, Iowa right now on the women's side, they're not representing the school officially yet. That doesn't come until next season. They're training, they're working out, doing everything at Iowa, except uh, can't compete officially for the Hawkeyes until uh, next season. Wrestling unattached. And, uh, you know, they had a, a very strong performance there um sterling diaz was a champ at 101 um you had felicity taylor of south wind uh win at 116 pounds and then you had uh reese Lermendi, uh also as a champion um wrestling unattached at 143 pounds um you know that was uh that I think that was just as uh, cool to see uh, that tournament going on at the same time. Um, one of the moments that I thought was probably um, one of the one of the coolest things I think I've seen in a little while um, when Felicity Taylor, uh, as we've said before, uh, a former South Winnipeg uh, wrestler. Um, you know, she kind of grew up, uh, very aware of Megan Black, who is now Megan Black champion. Um, and she's, uh, a member of the arm, uh, armed services. Um, I believe she's part of the, um, at least she was part of the, uh, army's, uh, women, um, championship athlete uh, program, uh, the WCAP program. But after Felicity Taylor won her title, they had award ceremony that you would see it like most, like the U.S. Open, uh, where people would award uh, the, the championship back to the wrestler right after the match on the mat. They had that soldier salute tie-in. They had military members doing that. Megan Black champion, who was the first uh, female wrestler to place at the uh, Iowa High School Athletic Association Boys State Meet, was a pioneer for, for girls wrestling, obviously, uh, present the plaque to Felicity Taylor. Uh, and in Felicity's own words, it was somebody I looked up to. Um, she's given me my, the plaque. And I hope to do that for another young girl someday. And I just thought that was just a really cool uh, 
moment and situation there to see the bridging of those two individuals who who have made a huge impact on girls wrestling in the state of Iowa. Right. I mean, they're giants. They're, you know, for sure. Uh, And pioneers is a great word for Megan Black and for Felicity. So Felicity said that, but you know what? She already is. She already is uh, doing that for those young kids that are watching. And and, uh, so that was neat for her, for for Megan. It was neat for me to see it, for all of us uh, casual fans. And uh, that was a pretty special moment, I thought. And that's, that's, you know, those kind of things have to be, have to be uh, acknowledged to, to help it grow and to help, you know, give it that personal side. If, if, they, if no one mentioned that, who would know that, you know, other than, you know, the hardcore uh, wrestling fans. But, but, you know, so that's a neat thing to, to share and, uh, you know, to show the kind of the personal side of the wrestling. And here, here's something too. And I think about this and I've, I wish I would have asked her before the world cup, but when she was at South Winnipeg, I did a feature on Felicity wrestling. And one of the things that she mentioned that kind of got her into wanting to compete was she tried out as a wrestling cheerleader mm-hmm. and she didn't make it. She was, she was upset because she wanted to be a part of the wrestling program in, in whatever way. And, you know, if I remember correctly, she mentioned that she got cut for, she, she didn't make the, the cheer squad for the wrestling team and then decided, well, I can't cheer for him. Maybe I'll try to go out myself and look what it's become. Yeah. You know, now she's representing the United States in a, in international competition. Uh, you know, even when she was in high school, uh, she had already kind of taken the reins of uh, helping other girls get in, get into the sport by holding camps for younger kids while she was still in high school and doing little clinics to teach younger girls in her area um, how to wrestle and and sharing what she knew then. And now look where she's at. She was an All-American at McKendry, now going to be a part of Iowa's first uh, women's program team next season, registering this year. And One other thing to mention about the Iowa women's team you know, this year, it's it's all the work and very little, uh, if any, accolades, right? Uh, they're not going out in the duels and wrestling uh, in front of uh, uh, their home crowd, technically, even though this last tournament kind of was. Um, they're not able to wear the school colors when they compete they're putting in all the work anyway um i just i just thought it was really really interesting to see how they've really just kind of gone on with their you know still putting in the work you you see the camaraderie where they're there for each other and really pushing each other you know, when one of them was wrestling, there was like a Hawkeye mob of uh, wrestlers in their corner. You know, their coaches can't coach them when they're unattached. Um, but I think you really see the unity and the camaraderie of uh, of these athletes who are 
not necessarily sacrificing, you know, um, I won't go that far, but you know, they're, they're not getting the same payoff in this season that they're going to, um, in the upcoming season. So, uh, I, I just, I just thought, um, what they're, what they're doing and the way they've responded has been, um, really impressive. Right. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to feel sorry for them either because they get to be part of that first one. They are part of the first one. They're building it right now. They're setting the tone. They're, they're, they're making, you know, what happens this year is going to be precedence for, you know, future years and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and it's not, you know, if you, sometimes a lot of people want to compare the, the women to the men right away and want it to be equal. Well, you know what? The men have had how many years of wrestling? <laughs> have we got a hundred yet? Uh, you know, <laughs> Close to a century yeah, of muscles. And, uh, and then, you know, so we're in our first year, at least at Iowa, for, for the women's wrestling. So, you know, um, and not to compare that, but I know a lot of people oh. do. But uh, the, um, uh, so that's cool. I, I, I like what, the, what Coach Chung's building and, and the, the, how the athletes are responding. And, and, and women, uh, even at the, at the high school level, the girls, you know, it's a whole different energy level. It's just crazy. We talked about this before. So, you know, it's going to be fun to watch it. I, I, I really believe that. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited when other universities add wrestling and we can start wrestling, you know, at that level. So, um, and if they don't, then we'll wrestle where, where we can wrestle. Right. Right. So um, any other, any other thoughts from the soldier salute? Um, yeah before we kind of uh, slide over to the scuffle? No, i say let's head over there <laughs> or head down there. <laughs> uh, well, Iowa State, you know, Iowa State did have a handful of guys that were originally entered uh, or that they had planned to send to uh, the soldier salute. That turned out uh, not to happen. I think that was kind of a last-minute decision. Um, mainly because I think they were uh, short wrestlers, didn't quite have their full lineup at the Southern Scuffle. Um, but they end up sending 14 guys um, down there. Uh, I believe Zach Redding, who is uh, kind of back at it, was their uh, uh, – Iowa State's leader finishing fifth at 133 pounds. Uh, I think that's a good sign for um, Iowa State that he's down there and uh, competing. But, uh, you know, the uh, the Cyclones were, were down there without many of their top guys, obviously. No, uh, uh, no David Carr, no Swiderski, no, no Panero Johnson. Um, I don't think, uh, Coleman wrestled, um, no Bastida and, and Skyler. Um, so kind of a, a makeshift, makeshift squad, uh, down at the scuffle for them. And did you mention Swiderski? Swiderski right. wrestled, nor did, uh, Kabambam or Tarakina at, at 25. And back 25, back, yeah. Go back to 133 with the Redding, uh, you know, because also uh, 
Adaziah wrestled and took. Yep. I don't know if anything was resolved there. Um, I guess it, it it favors Redding as Adaziah was seated number two and took seventh. Um, but uh, they kind of, you know, placing fifth and seventh doesn't show me a whole lot of difference there. But with with uh, Ramazan, uh, with him being seated second, um, that I, that's an indication that Iowa State thought he might score more points or whatever than Redding. And so did they put him as their varsity guy for this tournament? Or, you know, I don't know. So that's a little bit of an indicator there that at least going to this tournament, they were leading towards uh, towards him and not Redding. So um, anyway, that's that's a curiosity that I saw based on this. Uh, they did have one like opponent. Uh, both of them wrestled uh, 23rd ranked Sean Carter of Appalachian State. Would you uh, care to guess what the point differential in each of those matches was? Uh, boy, let's see. Well, based on uh, what you quizzed me, I'm going to say it was pretty close. Uh, let's go two-point difference. It, that's exactly right. Both of them. So you're trying to maybe use uh, uh, common opponents to, to be a difference in yeah, nothing there. between the two? Both of them beat Carter by two points. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for uh, uh, for Iowa State because it's it's almost uh, uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other in uh, at 133 there. And just I see rankings uh, have just come out. And uh, right now, it's still uh, had a side off in the rankings um, as a representative for Iowa State. He's 23, 24 uh, when it comes to intermat and flow. So, um, you know, I, I wonder if that's a sign that dresser, you know, usually what happens is a ranker will reach out to a coach or a staff and say, okay, who's, who's the guy at 33? And that'll kind of give them an indication of who to put in the rankings. So I don't know if that says anything about the situation right now uh, as well. Right. Or, or even when those, those uh, rankers, those, those people doing the rankings act, actually ask, did they ask before this competition, the, the scuffle or after, I mean, you know, so. That's a good point too. You know, so it, if it was before, I would think, you know, it's no surprise that it's, uh, that they went that direction based on his second seed and, and Redding's not even being seeded. So, I mean, you can only seed one. You can't seed two from the same school. So, had right. But uh, they did have, I, by my count, they had three varsity wrestlers. I'm not even sure which varsity wrestlers because, you know, but, you know, I think it, it, uh, they had Stotts, Devine, and, and, uh, probably Broderson at 74 is a guy, I guess. So those three, and I think those three should have been down there competing because they, they haven't, they haven't done what the rest of the team has done in terms of success so far. And so they need to build that, you know, and that was a good opportunity to go down. All three of those guys did place they were low placers, but they did place divine was sixth, and, and Stotts and Broderson were eight, but uh, I mean, that's a big tournament. So they, they got some matches in. Uh one item of note uh, from the scuffle as well, 
speaking of stats, at 165 in the seventh place match, she wrestled Hunter Garvin oh. um, in that final round. Uh, of course, Garvin um, from Iowa City West, a four-time state finalist, three-time champ for the Trojans. Uh, he's out at Stanford right now um, as a freshman. Um, he beat uh, Stott six to four in that uh, in that placing match. So Hunter Garvin uh, uh, seventh uh, there for for Stanford and kind of interesting. Uh, talked into his uh, his dad after uh, one of the events. Kind of mentioned, uh, you know, he's getting the opportunity to to wrestle and learn from guys like uh, national champ uh, Shane Griffith, and he, he's just loving it out there and and uh, you know continuing to grow and and thrive. So. Kind of look forward to seeing uh, Hunter Garvin continue to uh, to make progress, and can't wait to see him in the Stanford uh, lineup in the future. Well, and and not only it's great to see him doing well on the mat, but you know Stanford is the the Harvard of the West, and in many cases a, a tougher school than Harvard, and uh, right. with their academic success. But uh, so it's good to see him doing so well at, at you know one of the toughest schools in the nation for sure academically. Right. Yeah, uh, they they wouldn't even let me on campus. <laughs> they got the guard up for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that uh, um, yeah, you know, in with Iowa State, I think there are, you know some positives to take away there, even though I. I'm sure they're probably hoping they would get some separation um, at 133, and I don't know if they really got that. Um, I do think, uh, you know, it was nice to see somebody like Joel Devine do well, um, you know, for the most part. Um, and I think you're starting to see Iowa State's depth uh, really kind of take take shape. Right. Uh, as well. And, and I'm like you, I'm fond of, of Divine Stotts and Broderson as well as Coleman because they're, you know, they're Iowa high school products, you know, and you right. see them do well at our universities. And, and uh, I, I'm with you, those guys. Good to see them having some success here. Iowa State finished 11th out of 21 teams, but again, they had a skeleton lineup in that respect. Now, right. I will We'll mention this, Ohio, uh, uh, or uh, Oklahoma State. Geez, I went through all the OSUs right there in my mind. <laughs> uh, Ohio, jeez, uh, Oklahoma State had three champs, had a, a runner-up and four thirds. So they they really dominated the tournament uh, in that respect. So um, and then they, they finished with 181 points, and then second place was North Dakota State with 144 and a half points. So it kind of shows the separation there. Yep. Um... I'll just mention uh, two uh, kind of in passing. Uh, Northwestern won the uh, Ken Craft Midlands Championships. Um, not a real major field there as well. Wisconsin was there. Illinois was there. I don't think you know, Arizona State was there. I don't think Arizona State, Wisconsin had uh, many of their top um, guys, or at least they were missing – uh, some starters, Wisconsin probably had 
few more. I think Barnett at 125 and Trent Hilger, Hilger at heavyweight wrestling, but no Gomez. Right, and you know, some of the some of the field was split by by coming to the soldiers a little bit there. So, and and a lot of a lot of teams elected to stay home for whatever reason. So. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that all pans out. Um, you know, as far as the upcoming meets for teams, both Iowa and Iowa State will get a crack at Wyoming or Northern Iowa. And Iowa State will get a crack at Wyoming uh, this week. You mentioned Thursday. Um, you'll see uh, uh, Wyoming and, and you and I. Um, and then uh, Iowa State hosts Wyoming January 7th. Um, and then they'll turn around and host uh, Arizona State um, on the 8th on Sunday. So. Uh, a big weekend for for Iowa State, so you can see why maybe they elected to kind of keep some guys home and let them heal up. Um, because they're jumping right into the the Big Twelve season here, um, and then you've got that non conference duel with a really salty Arizona State um team on Sunday. Right. You know, one thing that might be in front of us that I just thought of, you know, there's a lot of the major teams and I'm going, where the heck were some of the major teams? You know what? They were down at the collegiate duels. So maybe the, that's the, you know, you've got Penn State and North Carolina State and you and I and, mm-hmm. uh, and Iowa, Iowa State and, you know, said <clears throat> really good field down there. And, and uh, maybe that's the trend right now. Maybe the universities prefer a dual competition rather than a tournament, comp- you know, an individual tournament. So maybe we'll see that as a trend. Might, yeah, that very well could, could be the case. You know, makes sense. And makes sense, especially when we're talking about, uh, you know, just kind of the wear and tear and trying to manage schedules and stuff. You know, having two, two tough, big competitions between – you know, December twentieth and January first doesn't uh, doesn't really seem like a good idea for most when you know their conference seasons are are coming around the corner after the first of the year. So, and where else do do they have dual? It's not really a tournament, but dual competition type terms. I guess you got two brackets, and it is in that respect. But but yeah. uh, you know, so that's kind of unique. And they don't they don't really. So, yeah. Other than other than the MWCA national duels, which is not Division One. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, all the others, the multi-divisional. That's uh, this weekend in in Louisville, correct? Correct. It's uh, I believe it's tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, sorry, let's see, tomorrow and Friday. I, actually, I I, I forget. <laughs> they they bounced around <laughs> in those three days the last few years. So, sure. and then. Uh, uh, so I'm not, I can't remember this year if it's uh, Thursday, Friday or Friday, Saturday. So uh, Iowa gets, Iowa gets back into its, uh, its dual competition uh, Friday hosting Illinois. Um, and then on Sunday, I believe they uh, head to Purdue, um, you know, and they'll, uh, 
they'll kind of get back into that uh, Big Ten season here. Right. And I, I did want to mention before we got off of the NWCA duel, since we were right there, yep. Iowa has quite a few teams competing in that. And the girls on the women's side, the Grandview and Iowa Wesley in there, and they have 32 teams uh, registered on the, for the national duels there. And then, then the division, uh, division two, Upper Iowa is, is there, and they're, they're seated six. NAIA, Grandview, and Morningside. Grandview's the number one seed, Morningside number 10. Uh, at least they're ranked that way. Uh, I would guess they would be seated that way, unless there's some of the teams that are ranked above them. And then uh, and then on Division three, you've got Coe, uh, Dubuque, Loris, Luther, and Warburg. Warburg's the number one seed there. And uh, um, I'm not sure. They don't have the seedings out, but that's they had the top eight, and that was it. So, And I think that they have 24. If I remember right, they have 24 teams. The top eight get a bye first round, and then – they compete after that. So um, we'll kind of keep an eye on that, see how it goes. Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting that they have the NCAA women and the uh, um, NAIA women uh, brackets. Is that new? That they oh, have? I forgot they do have two women's brackets, don't they? I forgot about that. Oh, I just looked at the, at the uh, NAIA, didn't I? Yeah, the uh, there, I was surprised to see uh, no no Iowa schools in the uh, NCA. I know Simpson's doing a lot of competing um, and stuff right now, but no Iowa presence. Um, you know, Adrian Augsburg, Colorado Mesa, Emmanuel College, Gannon King, Limestone, Lindenwood, Lock Haven, McKendry, uh, North Central, which is. Obviously, uh, D3, uh, Presbyterian, Sacred Heart, uh, Shriner, Tiffin, uh, and Wisconsin-Stevens Point, which is also D3. Seems like uh, uh, most are, are D2 schools. Um, you know, you have a couple D1s with Lockhaven and Sacred Heart, few D3s with Augsburg and uh, North Central and Wisconsin-Stevens Point, but Seems like the D2 level um, has some women's programs. And the reason why I even mentioned that is because uh, during the break, Upper Iowa announced uh, they're going to be starting a women's wrestling program as well, which I believe that ups uh, the count to uh, either 19 or 20 uh, total women's college programs in the state of Iowa. Yay. Yep. So, um, and did you mention Upper Iowa in the uh, the D2 men's uh, bracket? Right. And it should be a six seed if I'm thinking it right here. So. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they wrestled decently at, uh, you know, uh, Indianapolis. So, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Because they really have not had a lot of competitions. I think we mentioned how uh, you know the Midwest Classic in Indianapolis was their first one, first competition in almost a month. So then they had the break, so they should be pretty fresh, right? And then just to follow up, uh, 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 Cornell wrestled down at the Citrus Invitational, and uh, they were mm -hmm. uh, they had twenty eight wrestlers compete, so real good numbers 
in the Cornell program. And I like what I'm seeing with Cornell this yeah. year. They're, they're really heading in the right direction, but I have to give special kudos. It's my last wrestler that I coached in high school is still competing. He's Jacob Scherzer was their highest placer. He oh, placed, really? placed third at 174, went five and one. It's big, big brackets. So then uh, he did very well. And then at 197, Trayton Stephan was, was fourth. Uh, at, and uh, at 184, Kale McLaren was, was fifth. And Allen's back for a fifth year or whatever. A multi, it's either fifth or sixth year. Who knows with COVID, right? Uh, right. <laughs> he, was, he was six at 165. And then uh, young freshman, they're real high on it, on Gabe Smith out of the state of Washington, took, took six at 157. So, um, so they're, they did a nice job down there I, and competed well. Um, their next competition is the, the Cliff Keen Mike DeRoe Invitational, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. Okay. Uh, Coach, before we tie things up here for the first one of 2023, any, uh, any words of uh, wisdom or last thoughts? Well, let's get back on the mat for the high school kids, and, and uh, I'm going to keep my eye on the national duels at the lower levels and uh yeah so here we go all right well thanks again for tuning in uh with the new year hope you had a great holiday and uh uh you're sticking to your resolutions here for 2023 uh for dick briggs i'm kj pilcher thanks for watching and coach send us out with our uh, tribute to our late friend white schultz let's keep wrestling on the move Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.